Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> All right, ready? Go for it. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that didn't take itself or the game too seriously. But to be honest, does anybody in rugby take the game too seriously at the moment? Well, I was going to say, we don't. We try not to take uh, world rugby, the Six Nations, Summer Nations, disciplinary panels, Premiership rugby, or indeed anyone yeah. um, running the game too seriously. We're going to have to change our motto to the podcast that takes the game equally as serious as the authorities that run it. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't have the same ring to it, but it'd be true, wouldn't it? <laughs> Oh dear, My oh dear. goodness me! Here we are. I mean, the this I know that this is like the excitement that you used to feel, JB, as a kid waiting for Christmas morning, <laughs> is how you've been feeling every minute waiting for this. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's there are some really serious points to be uh, explored here, actually. But it is just incredible that this is the story that dominates the rugby headlines. Uh, and it is like, I mean, Eddie Jones today gave it some air cover. This story for for a couple of hours. He did his best, <clears throat> but he what could did only he do... say about it. That... No, it, not about this. Just wearing his Indiana Jones hat, um, telling the bunch of Aussie journalists at Sydney Airport to uppercut themselves, <laughs> and that it was the worst interview you know, ever. I've seen that actually. I thought you meant he spoke about Farrell. No, I honestly th- wish his journalists gave him what for there. I mean, there may be a sharper wit than that. They just stood there and took it. They just stood there and absolutely took it. And they they have every right to go at him. I wish they would have gone at him. I would have. I know you. <laughs> you definitely. But like, would've. who does he think he is? Like, he's he's there telling these journalists, "Don't you question me about my job?" Well, first of all, it is literally their job to question them. To question him about his job. Correct. And second but of all, also what, what's Eddie? What's Eddie Jones's job? He is. <laughs> yeah. He's try, He's got to build an atmosphere in his team going to France that could be successful, and I think today may have been successful in that. And also, he has got to try and re- one of his jobs. It won't be his direct job, but one of the things he is doing, which he may regard as his job, is to try and raise the profile of Australian rugby. And the fact it's the, the fourth most popular sport. He, he did a great job at getting people to talk about it today. I guess in that sense, yeah, well, maybe you could, you could say world rugby, Six Nations, uh, the the th- the three man Aussie panel have done an amazing job at getting rugby in the headlines because there's people that probably haven't seen or heard a single story about rugby in months who yeah. know about this. I just wish one of those journalists came up with the retort that 
I, that they could do at least as good a job with their winning record as Eddie Jones has done since taking over <laughs> at Australia Rugby. Yeah. I mean, I could do it. Yeah. I, I could match his win percentage tomorrow. <laughs> be no problem. Anyone could. Yeah. Um, but we're not here to talk about Eddie Jones. No, we, come we're, on. We're here. So we... <clears throat> on Sunday's podcast, we knew that um, Farrell was going to face a disciplinary panel on Tuesday. Um, that was about all we knew. We all expected his red card to be upheld and we expected somewhere between, say, a three- and six-week ban, depending on how it played out. On Tuesday, a miraculous thing happened His that none of us expected, almost no-one in the game expected. The only uh, voice in the game that really expected it was, um, other than perhaps Owen Farrell, and he, perhaps even he didn't really believe it, was rubbing the law. Yeah, fair play. He was the only credible um, account that I saw, um, Ben Cisneros, Cisneros, I think that's right. Yeah, Cisneros. Um, who said there might be sufficient mitigation to take it down from a, a red card to a yellow card. Yeah, it's so interesting that, because obviously Ben, well, as the <clears throat> account kind of gives away, is rugby and the law. Ben is a solicitor by training. Yeah, and so I guess this is exactly what happened. A solicitor looked at this case and then put forward a good argument, and it somehow won. But I think it's worth putting this a little bit into context as to the conversations which were had on Sunday, on Monday, and on Tuesday, because this is one of the few cases, with the exception of Ben, that everybody in rugby agreed, like ninety-nine percent. Well, so that's an interesting point because. I've spoken to a couple of people. So 99% of people that we spoke to who are on WhatsApp yeah. and on Twitter, who are, if you're in a WhatsApp group with us or we're viewing your, you on Twitter, you tend to be pretty engaged in the game. Yes, this is such an important point. <clears throat> As it is right now, I've spoken to two individuals who both play the game but do not really follow it. Yeah. They don't watch... They'll watch England in the Six Nations... They don't watch any Premiership stuff. They don't follow it on Twitter or anywhere else. And they were both kind of like, don't see what the fuss is about. Didn't really see why it was a red card. Understand why the red card's been rescinded. Yeah. Tim? (coughs) Uh, Broadly speaking, I agree with you. And I think Phil's made a very good point there. uh, Yeah, I mean, there's, there's everything that led up to Tuesday. I also think there was a... The conversation was... There was a bit of chunter in, a bit of chatter about how long's the ban going to be, what do you think this means for England, fly half position, etc. But I don't think anyone was nearly as bothered about the whole thing as suddenly they became on Tuesday. Yes. The, the reaction... <laughs> Myself included. Is, I, I've never known anything like it. And I think there was... Well, no. I, do I understand it? I, I guess I, I'm trying to understand why there was the the, well, the intensity of the reaction, but I I think the the reaction was defied all logic. I I don't understand how this is quite as big a deal as it is. I, there's so right. many different ingredients going into the pot to cause that, but yeah. I think it's completely blown out of all proportion. Yeah. Okay. So. I think the reaction is very important because I think it kind of plays into what Phil's alluding to there and something which I have also thought, which is it was nailed on red card. So I was speaking to a very well-known journalist this week about this. 
And it is a nailed-on red card for people who are engaged with rugby. And this is a really important point. So, uh, and that's so uh, that is. I completely agree with that. Yeah. If you followed the precedent that's been set over the last, say, five years, and anything to do with the World Rugby High Tackle framework, you you've seen other incidents like that. You know it's a red card. Yeah, and <coughs> I have sat next to sighting officers at Sail Sharks, right? And this is my theory on how this original decision got made. This is my initial working theory. I've sat next to sighting officers. And sometimes you need to explain to them who the opposition are. They'll know who Sale is, and they'll know some of the players, but they won't even know who Sale are. And you ask them, like, oh, who are, who are you, basically? And you look on the name tag, and it'll be someone, it'll be a name that you know. A lot of sighting commissioners are ex-players. ex-players. And you ask them, like, oh, so um, you're into premiership? No, not really. What do you do with your time? Oh, I just get on to local club. Now, this panel was comprised of a judge... I don't know if the judge has to be a rugby judge, like attends court sessions and, you know, or is he an actual, you know, King's Council? I mean, he's an Australian guy, I, I guess. Yeah, it. he's an SC, but I don't know what that means. That's Australian. Council. Australian legal speak. Yeah, Senator Council. I don't know. I made it up. Something like that. An SC, right? So he's somebody, right? And then there's two players. Now, if you played in the 90s, but your interaction with the game, simply the English Premiership, is next to nothing. And you go down to your local club and you sort of watch it like a detached fan does. This probably does not look necessarily like a red card. That's the only thing that I can possibly think of. And then you listen to a compelling argument from a King's Council, which the RFU have hired at great expense when they can't afford anything else, but they've done this. And you go, yeah, okay, we'll let him off. And it's completely contrary to what World Rugby wants and what the engaged fan base think is going to happen but it probably does chime a lot more ironically with the fan base that world rugby are desperate to engage <laughs> perhaps yeah um on that now i when i watched this and uh right up until actually right up until i read the the report that has finally been released although i think it's i'm not sure it's meant to be released we'll come to that in a little bit uh-huh. but i've not read the full report I'm softened, having read the arguments um, within the, the, the context of the report, I've softened a little bit. I actually still think it's a red card, but, yep. but I think there is more grey than there was when I first saw it. All right, why don't you tell us about the report then? So, <clears throat> the report, it was it was the Six Nations um, who held this um, disciplinary. Now, are they the same as the ERPC? EPRC, no, EPRC. I, I don't slightly different. I think they're different. EPRC runs the tier two European. Uh, is it EPRC? But the the, the company, the organisation that runs the tier two, and they there's run so the much clar- there's so much clarity in in our sport, isn't there? So yes. much clarity. I mean, I, I mean, we're fairly engaged. We should know this. <laughs> yeah, well, they, but they've been used interchangeably those two terms, haven't they, for this disciplinary panel? Sh- should we know this though? Uh, Maybe. I don't. I don't think that's pertinent. No, it's not Perth. Other the six. Uh, the reason why I it, think they're different it, it, is because the Six Nations is uh, comprised of and owned by the six home, the six right, nations yeah. that play in the Six Nations. Therefore, I don't think they are the same as the European rugby. Um, EPCR so I heard it's all, all European club rugby. It doesn't really matter. Like, like <laughs> says, for the carry on with the report. Let's not get in the weeds on this. Yeah. So the the Six Nations, who only it would appear released the report via. Email to selected journalists originally. Um, 
Uh, but they only released a statement on the report, not the full report. And indeed, they said that the full report was not going to be released. That report was released by World Rugby today when World Rugby announced that they were going to appeal the decision. So that that report, which is not actually the full transcript of the meeting, and it misses a load of evidence, but it's the summary report that runs to seven pages that contains the arguments of both sides uh, and the logic behind the decision. Okay. And it is interesting. So what are your highlights from this? So, um, highlight number one, which I think is very relevant, there is additional video footage of the incident from different angles and different speeds. Mm -hmm. So we've only seen it from two or three angles. Yep. From none of those angles can you determine whether there is a... And certainly from the angles that I've seen, I did not believe there was that there was a significant change of height or dynamic movement. Not for me. Now, they go into some length that there isn't, they believe, a change in height, but that E2's uh, interaction with W20 meant that he had a significant dynamic change of movement that led to, without that change of movement... It, um, Owen Farrell was in a position to make a legal tackle, yep. and therefore that is why they've overturned that. That is that allowed them to apply the mitigation that that dynamic change of movement um, means it can be mitigated. However, down. there's one thing which is missing from that, which is Owen Farrell had his arm tucked. Now, so that that is the glaring thing in this report. So, <clears throat> as you will well know, GB and Tim, mm-hmm. that the. Um, the fourth question in the World Rugby head contact process is, is there any mitigation? And if there is, you can downgrade a yellow card to a penalty or a red card to a yellow card. If there is no mitigation, um, then you can't. The mitigation is either, uh, let me get this up, line of sight, no. Clear attempt to reduce the tackle height from the tackler, no. Level of control, no. Passive tackler, no. Sudden and significant drop of movement, yes. So they're Maybe. saying, well, that's what they're saying. I, yeah, they they actually go through it in in some detail. They they extend several paragraphs as to why there this is, is nuts. from from different angles. Um, and so I'm I'm, and I've looked back at the footage. You can see why there would be, but I think if we had the spider cam angle, which I presume, or, or certainly a top down angle, which. I presume they did have. I could see why you would get that conclusion in the movement. But you're exactly right, JB, that is there any mitigation uh, is caveated by mitigation will not apply for intentional or always illegal acts of foul play. Agreed. Now, they actually state, and let me get the exact phrase, because it's right at the end. Um, They state that the player's act of foul play was not intentional or always illegal. So they actually state that that doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. However, they do not address, they it, it, in no, um, none of the written context that we have received, which is only um, a summary report of seven pages versus the full um, meeting, in none of that do they actually address the fact that Owen Farrell's right arm, which was the arm and shoulder that made tackle, and indeed was always the arm and shoulder that was going to make the tackle, regardless of the dynamic movement, um, was tucked, was a chicken wing position. 100%. Therefore, 
this and this is the this is the it would have been better to hit him clean in the face <clears throat> with a shoulder wrapping and taking off his head so had he have made an attempt to wrap you get away with this I, I I strongly believe that this mitigation was is sufficient um, even though I've not seen the video evidence just from the hearing reading the description but because his arm is um, chicken winged this will be the point that world rugby will, will be wanting to appeal on and on that, if I may, firstly, Phil, mm. I, I love that you're uh, on this pod because you do <coughs> such a good job at times like that, brilliantly summarised, and thank you for shedding some light on that. Um, are we not holding players to unreasonably high standards there? Because Yes, the, the yes sort, Tim, the sort of course of, we are. The, <laughs> the kind of catch-22 here, or double jeopardy, whichever way you want to look at it, is... The mitigation cannot apply, as as you're right, World Rugby will likely argue. Uh, the mitigation cannot apply because he was, quote, always illegal, arm in a chicken wing position. But his arm was in a chicken wing position when Tane Basham made contact with him because of the mitigating factors. Well, no. It's, it's, like, it's like an infinity loop that you can't end. Well, no, because... He couldn't do one without the other. One wouldn't have happened without the other, and he wasn't able to do one because of the other. I'm not sure I agree with that. Because that's, you... that's, that's, I've, 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 there's got to be some logic to that. I, hasn't there? I'm not, I, I'm, not, so, I'm, I'm not. There's got to be some logic to what I'm saying. I I can see that as an argument. I'm not certain it, it's relevant here. Uh, just no, no. Just, I understand it's not relevant by the, <coughs> by the framework that's laid out. But no, no. But, but in this actual case, I think I am but, but, with this, you this, in terms this of it, would, this could this be, this be a thing. Be a, yeah, it could be. But this is, to, uh, I guess, broadening it out to a bigger point. This is one of those examples which we talk about a lot of the law of unintended consequences. The more you litigate something, the more little caveats and oh. extra detail you put in. Yeah. I, I think we're missing the even bigger point here, which is a red card was issued. This panel should be convening to see how long the ban is. Um, and if you want to appeal, I think it is ludicrous that the RFU are spending our money, because it is our money as what? club members, our money on bloody QCs. I think like the fact that they've written a how many page re- a report? Uh, well, it's, this is a seven-page report, but this is not. This is so. So this, so you, so this so report you, sorry, was sorry, not written clear, by you the. Genu- you genuinely think that no player should turn up to a disciplinary disciplinary hearing, having been given a red on the field? Um, yes. So trying, trying to make a case that it yes, may not yes, have been a red. exactly. So what I'm saying, right, is if the offence is within the laws of rugby and dealt with by the referee, you can come to the disciplinary, and you can give your character reference, but you can't submit something from a QC. Now, if you're uh, Sexton. Or if you're uh, Denny Solomona, do you remember his, his gay slur against uh, Shulcock? Oh, yeah. If you're accused of something which is kind of outside of the laws of the game, but within the rules of the competition, so you can't be abusive or, you know, it's something that might require police intervention or something a bit more serious, but a non-rugby... Then by all means, I think a legal representative is reasonable. If World Rugby and or Six Nations and or whatever panel, if, if, if they've done their job in administering the game so everyone understands what they're judging, it shouldn't matter who's presenting the evidence. So it's up to... It's well, if it shouldn't if matter, it, why are we spending so much money? Well, well, because he's obviously done a very good job. And so it does matter. He's, he's taken advantage of the fact that... Well, you're, you're here running cover for, for the administration of the game not being good. You're saying don't get someone who's really good at making an argument in because uh, it will show up the fact that the administrators of the game aren't very good. Well, I mean, you run that both ways, right? I mean, the administrators of the game are not good, right? But the reason they might not be good is because they don't know who's sitting on their panel. 
I mean, it doesn't sound like the panel are particular, or even worse. Well, yeah, but that's the administration of the game not being good. They should know yeah. who's sitting on their panel. They should know. They should. They should brief properly the people on their panel so they know they like, get why we, consistency. I mean, it's a simple game. Of the laws, right? It, you, me, and Phil. If we saw that video, could come to a conclusion: is that a red card or not? Without the intervention of a QC. And I think you have to make a decision on a red card based on your rugby knowledge and what you see. And there is no time to spend bloody union money when they can't afford... When there's three clubs bankrupt and whatnot... Right. They shouldn't be spending money on QCs. Right. So, so, uh, so if, if you're saying the, the RFU shouldn't be spending money on it because there's not enough money in the game... And no, no, they, no, no, they, that's not the reason. On, they I, just shouldn't do it. If, if you're arguing they shouldn't do it because they might show up the... the uh, no, that's not my argument either. Quali- my argument isn't we don't, don't do this because the administration's poor. I think, I think it's taken us off into the weeds. No, I think it's a vitally important point. It's a vitally important point that a decision has been made on uh, on the field for a red card. The red card has not just been, uh, potentially could have been made by the referee, but it's gone to a secondary bunch of officials who now seem to be completely redundant. So that second process has now gone to a third process to assess if it's uh, a red card, which somebody has then taken a QC to. Now, that is ludicrous. By any stretch of the imagination, having three separate processes running concurrently to work out if it's a red card, including a QC, is absolutely ludicrous. I, I don't see that the QC's so, got any bearing on it. You don't yeah. see... No, I, I see the whole thing is ludicrous, but I don't think the fact that... You, I think the fact that you've got a ludicrous situation probably means that you do need a QC. If you've got the initial decision and the subsequent decision right, no one needs a QC. Yeah, but the QC, all he's done is he's manipulated the law so that people who are engaged with the game and know what to expect and the spirit of law has now actually been removed. Now, I say this from a very, very strange point of view, which is I'm happy for the Owen Farrell standard of play to be the standard of play for everybody. Right? I, I'm fine with that contact. I'm fine with those hits, despite what a progressive rugby want. That's, I'm fine with that. But we shouldn't have a situation where you can afford... I mean, what if you're... I don't know. You play for the Cook Islands, and then you get your ten-week ban. Can you afford a QC? Well, we, we've we've seen bits of that in the past, haven't we? Yeah. With the 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 one that always sticks in my mind is um, Alessandra Tuolagi, um, who got uh, it was a long ban. It was five or ten-week ban. Insane for, that one for running, and I think it was a Japanese player. Um, yeah. Dive too low. <laughs> Uh, Tuolagi's knee hit the player whose head who dived too low um, and he got the ban Tuolagi got the ban which that was insane but that I, but I mean that shows what you're that, talking highlights, lowest common, yeah. that highlights that oh, yeah. probably you do I mean, need I, a QC I could see an it, argument you're talking right. lowest common denominator stuff you're saying if they can't have it no one should have it no. whereas actually what you should say is it shouldn't matter whether a QC turns up or a player turns up and makes their own uh, own argument uh, the, the people know, are fair. Brief, know, know what the I don't think is. anyone's going to disagree with that point Tim I think that's a very fair point and there should be consistency irrelevant of all I that just stuff. don't and then if that were the case England, England wouldn't hire a QC because there would be no point it would be a waste of money yeah so did this this is what I'm not entirely sure about. Did this little convention come about, this committee come about, because it's a disciplinary after a red card that's automatic? It wasn't because of, a, of an appeal, was it? No, no. It's just the automatic process. This is no, the, it's just this an this automatic Right, so if it's the automatic process, there's definitely not a need for a, a, a QC. Because the red card's being handed out, and then you just issue the ban. Well, now, if you want to appeal it, said, that's a different process. Well, for the, reason, no, so for the reasons we just said, it, that there, there clearly is a need for a QC, because the, the, well, because the administration of the game is poor. Yeah, the, the administration of the game is poor, but there was... So the appeal came in where 
Owen Farrell did not contest the fact that it was a high tackle, contact high, uh, and he actually didn't contest that it should be a red card from the initial three questions. What he contested was that there should be mitigation and that was what was upheld. So it was an appeal to reduce the red card down to yellow. Right. So there's an appeal wrapped up automatically with the commission. <clears throat> the the um, defendant gets the opportunity to either accept in full or, as he's done, which is a partial acceptance, it's a yes, but. Just uh, It just blows my mind, there's video of it. You know, it's not like a complex, it's not like a complex financial crime. Like, it's there. This must be the easiest money that QC has ever made. <clears throat> Possibly. But it's it's um on the on the need for a QC, though I was gonna save this for at the end, but there is one of the most astonishing lines that I've ever heard and a a total condemnation of the point of the, the bunker or the foul play um, review officer. Yes, I think I know what you're about to um, say. Go on. And indeed, I don't even know where we've got referees if this line is to be taken. <laughs> True. The fi- I know exactly what you're talking about. The final sentence of the whole thing is uh, where the, the, the panel, the um, SC, which is um, Australian Senior Council, I've just read, or, or, or State Council in some instances, um, and the two um, ex-players, the Aussie ex-players who are on the panel, they are... Um, defending the FPRO, the, the defending the bunker, and saying that um, no criticism of the FPRO, nor, in our opinion, would it be warranted. Unlike the FPRO, we had the luxury of time to deliberate and consider in private the incident and the proper application of the, the head contact process. In contrast, the FPRO was required to make his decision in a matter of minutes... Matter of minutes! ...without the benefit of all the relevant material... Or a QC. ...including, importantly, hearing from the player and his legal representative. Thank you! That is my point. But that... So that shows... (laughs) If if your stance is that um, minutes and multiple angles... Multiple angles of replays, maybe not all the angles, but multiple angles of replays is insufficient to get the decision right. Why on earth have we got a referee? Uh, yeah, um, like what is the like? Is the referee just, should he just have a magic eight ball? Well, more to the point, I mean, isn't it amazing for someone from the legal profession to be advocating that what is needed is more legal profession? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe that. That that is um, the standard. It feels like we're going to get to a stand. It's uh, like, like, like when uh, Steve Diamond went into was it Edinburgh to do a, a or was it Worcester to do a, a review, an urgent review of the coaching oh, yeah. structure. What was the outcome of that? I think, I think it was just one line. Hire Steve Diamond. Hire Steve Diamond. He's not wrong though. <laughs> so in the future, I can say I can always say it's been like, do you know when Osama bin Laden was killed? Uh, and the solicitors are on the phone, or the or the legal people are on the phone to the president all the time to make sure that the killing is legal. I can see in the future that we read the English first 15 and their legal representatives, and it will be the strength of the legal team which will dictate if, it, if, if they're going to win this game. It's, the, the things are nonsense. <clears throat> it, well, just on the, on the mitigation point, what I'm curious about mm. is, and this was kind of my understanding from trying to read it, but it's so opaque and hard to understand, my understanding was, as you've said, mitigation cannot be applied because of that. And I think that's odd because there's the kind of, as I said, the I don't know what the right phrase would be, but double jeopardy or whatever. He couldn't have been in a legal position because of the thing that the was dynamic mitigating. movement. And anyway, um, what I understand is that I mean, that means it cannot be applied. But some I've had some people um, 
say to me and some people that seem to know what they're talking about going no 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 you, you still can apply that even in um you still can apply that and that will be a relevant factor in a further appeal discussion by world rugby and that as other people have said that the bar that world rugby are going to have to pass to overturn this is going to be quite substantial and not a gimme yeah so on that um my so my understanding of the world rugby so world rugby announced today about lunchtime today um, which was when they released this full written decision even though six nations have previously said they weren't going to release the the written decision um so that they uh, are um, going to exercise their right to appeal the disciplinary decision. Now, in that appeal, um, so there's Regulation 17 um, of World Rugby's regulations, which the only good um, explanation of it that I've seen was done by Rugby in the Law, um, who is, we mentioned before, and was the only probably voice that got the... Um, first decision correct um, so he's saying that um, the appeal is not it's not revisiting the evidence yes they are testing the process that was followed um, I used to sit on a panel of governors uh, a few years ago and we had to make decisions we had to validate whether the decisions taken by the um, board of the NHS Trust, the board of the NHS Trust and the non-executive directors, not whether those decisions were right or wrong, but whether they'd followed the correct process in coming to those decisions. Yeah, it's quite, I, an, it's quite I, an interesting point, Mark, because people do think, on appeal, you just rerun the case, and you do not. You do not. And I, I used to get so frustrated because some of the people around me would say, oh, yes, I think this is the right decision, therefore I'm going to approve that the process was followed. Yeah. It's like, no, don't don't think whether it's a good or bad thing. Was Did they tick the boxes that they needed to tick? Yes. So that is what's happening. And the test for it is, was the decision in error? And in deciding whether it was in error, was it manifestly wrong or whether it applied the wrong principles? So from from that, rubbing the law, and I agree with this, is setting a high bar. That doesn't mean it's an impossible bar for them to overcome. And evidently, World Rugby thinks there is uh, a public interest or there is a potential of this um, bar being overcome. But it's it's that that whether it is manifestly wrong or applied the wrong principles, and there does seem to be the only. So they don't explicitly address that principle that we talked about. Mitigation will not apply for intentional or always illegal act of foul play. They don't address it save for one line where they say it was not always illegal. But in doing so, they never address that Owen Farrell's right arm was tucked. So that will be... There's a, there is a small route in there that I can see for World Rugby to... Yeah overturn it well, on that basis. Do you not just think this is the the inverse of what we've already seen? So what we've seen is a panel of people who have come to the wrong decision in accordance to how rugby is viewed by people engaged with the game. That's how I'd put it, right? Well, no, no. I think you were more accurate when you said what people expected the outcome to be. Because as you said, I, I don't so- necessarily agree with world rugby's laws and all the different 
additional bits they've put in, but it's we, we made our decision when we were chatting about it on Sunday based on what we were expecting. We were, it wasn't. It, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So we all agree it's a red card according to a cur- the current process. I'm with you. I don't want necessarily the red cards to be as flowing and the high tackle stuff to be as prominent as it is. So I think do we we all agree on that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so. Presumably, they're going to throw it over to another bunch of people who will just say, "Yeah, it is manifestly wrong," and no, and there will be no appeal of the appeal. So, why do they need to follow any process? It's interesting. I, I reckon one question related to that, and, and sort of picking up on what Phil said as well, is sort of in the same area. Is well, I'll ask one question: Do you think World Rugby would have done this were there not a big reaction online? Secondly, um. Do you think they will come up with? Do you think even if the even well? Do you think they may make sure by one way or another that they meet whatever uh, high bar is necessary for the very same reason? Yes, I so, think point one. Uh, no, I don't think if if this was another player uh, in a different cir- set of circumstances, I don't think there would have been no. there wouldn't have been the reaction, and World Rugby would not be doing this. Um, okay, I would say that the online reaction is 100% what plays to world rugby. Um, I yeah. had a good conversation about this on Twitter and rugby the other day. You're very famous at the moment, Tim, saying it's not real life, and I could not agree less. It is real life to these people. The whole tackle framework and the high tackle debate is all formed on Twitter. You know, the outrage around high tackle is all formed around Twitter. We have got a bunch of absolute bandits in progressive rugby who've been on BBC Five Live, they've been everywhere on the media this week because you only need a small amount of rabble-rousers on Twitter to get things changed. Look at look at Exeter Chiefs, one absolute lunatic um, in high heels managed to get rid of the extra branding. So, you know. so did you read, I sent the two of you, when we were having this debate uh, about, about a month ago, I sent you a Nassim Nicholas Taleb article called yeah. The Dictatorship Great. of the Small Minority. Yes, yeah. Which is exactly right. You were absolutely right. This is when JB corrected me and said, it's not real life. You sent that article and it's, it was really enlightening. Yeah, that. yeah. Like, that, that, so that explains why... It, it, it kind of... To me, it kind of explains why you're both right. Because it's not real life, but it is it is what influences everything. Yeah. It's it's why, as uh, Taleb says, why Europe will eat mostly halal. Because a handful of people... The threshold to... Um, Doing it for a small number of people means it's easier to then. It's like any it, bunch of lunatics. It it's like the small band of Brexiteers, or the small band of Black Lives Matter, or the small band of MAGA Republicans. They're all the same people. They're mm. all the same lunatics. Yeah, you, should, just, 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 no you, don't, you don't need to call them lunatics. You can just say they're a small group with a, a, a fringe opinion that they. Okay, they fringe opinion. Well, yeah, and yeah. they do overlap. Do overlap with lunatics. There is a correlation they're entitled, they're entitled between lunatics. To that. They're entitled to that opinion. Uh, and they're entitled to be lunatics too. We, we need lunatics. But, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying that they do influence yeah, the yeah. conversation. They, they yeah. massively... Yeah. So, they, and they, so I completely agree with that point that were it not for Twitter, if Twitter didn't, or X didn't exist, this wouldn't have um, gone... But, there would be no World Rugby appeal. But here's the thing, right? Here's why it's a real big deal. Because... Twitter does exist. Yeah. And it's because of Twitter and the pandering to Twitter and every single, you know, trendy cause the RFU can get get its hand on, which is why we're playing children's laws in the grassroots game. Mm. 
mm-hmm. were doing that to appease Twitter. And the RFU do an awful lot to appease Twitter. So, on the one hand, we can't sort of say, um, oh, this is only this is only, only tw- Twitter's fault for Owen Farrell, because actually the whole landscape is pretty much social media-driven now. You know, the reason that the governing body has effectively abandoned the grassroots game and does not administer the game for the masses of people that want to play it, but instead for, you know, a very, very small small minority of people is because of Twitter. So when they come uh, when they come unstuck because of it, I don't really care. I think that they deserve it. I mean, the other allegation going around at or towards World Rugby is that they're racist because George, George Moala got... 10 weeks reduced to five, which no one talks about, but it was reduced to five. It isn't a 10-week ban. Um, and, you know, if the RFU and World Rugby like to latch on to trendy sorts of topics such as, you know, any discrepancy equals discrimination or some such thing, well, let's call them all racists. I'm, I'm all for it. I just start the witch hunt. I mean, the, the George Moala one, I, um, it does seem ludicrous. It is I, ludicrous. Like, five-week ban... Oh, certainly a 10-week ban, but a f- even a five-week ban for that. But he doesn't does have seem... a QC. I he imagine. doesn't? No. So he, he needs one. Yep. Yeah, he does, actually. He, he definitely... If he had access to um, Owen Farrell's QC... Uh, what was his name? I know a QC who he definitely shouldn't hire. Richard... Richard Clark? Smith. No. Richard Smith, Smith, KC. Sorry. Keep calling him QC. Yeah, I keep calling him... <clears throat> I know. Um, KC, then... Yeah. Moala would have uh, would have got off if he free to play immediately, just like Faz. But the the um, the world rebates it will be. I mean, we were chatting on a WhatsApp group, rugby dedicated WhatsApp group before, and people were saying this is so boring. Like, we don't want the game to be like this. While I don't want the, the game to be like this, I do kind of love reading these reports and wasted. So I'm I'm fascinated by how World Rugby tried to clear up this mess because one of the things that is definitively true is that a month before a World Cup, less than a month, three weeks before a World Cup, no one is talking about the positive things um, and if we talk about the Scotland-France game, if the focus on the Scotland-France game from last weekend, there'll be a lot of positive talk. Yeah. Instead, we are talking about the uselessness of the administrators, why people can't get it right, why the uh, laws yeah. as, as applied are wrong or right instead of the good stuff. Well, it goes back to what I said at the start of the podcast, which is I suspect that these Australian um, committee members probably see the game through the lens of someone who played in the 90s yeah and i kind of yeah. wanted I, you know, i'm all for that and you know furthermore i'm not upset about i am upset about farrell being able to play again and i'm upset because you know i just look at what the unions lecture the grassroots to do and how we're irresponsible with player welfare and how we're not taking it seriously and how we need to be educated meanwhile you know owen farrell can play and there's a clear disconnect between their own disciplinary pro- process and what they're lecturing us to do and that's what i hate i hate the fact that they could find the political capital to sort of defend owen farrell certainly england could but they couldn't find any capital to defend what we do on a weekend they just you know bent over and took it and said yeah we'll change the laws to satisfy fringe pressure groups mm. um it's not to harp on about po- uh, progressive rugby but they put out a tweet this week uh, something like England need to stop the corporate speak and stakeholder outreach and bare their teeth. Or the World Rugby need to stop the corporate speak and 
stakeholder engagement and bare their teeth, show that they're serious on head injuries. I'm like, well, how do they do that? By extending their uh, stakeholder outreach to people like Progressive Rugby, because that's exactly what they are. They're just a small stakeholder, a small stakeholder and pressure group. That's who is modelling the game now. It's got nothing to do with us. It's got nothing to do with the people that play it. Now, I am, I am slightly disappointed, JB, that you've not mentioned a point that you made uh, about a month ago. Ooh. In when Johnny Sexton got his ban. Ah, low-level corruption. Yes. Yes. So, so uh, I'm surprised you're not celebrating this for... Um, well, everyone's just turned a blind eye, nodded yeah. and winked. Faz gets to Look, play. England captain gets off scot-free because of his position. If, if England rugby, kind of back, back to political capital, if England rugby were to stand up tall and say, no, this is what our members decide to do with their weekend, we're going to fight tooth and nail to keep this game exactly the same, and we don't care what you say... I would back them to the hilt with their low-level corruption to get Faz to play. In fact, I'm all for it. You know, I don't think that we should be building disciplinary processes which are not for the players and the people who participate in the game, but instead are for what? You know, Sports England or whoever it, whoever it is that requires them to have these sort of processes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd be all for that. But the fact of the matter is that they let down the grassroots game and I want them all to go in the most painful way possible, and I'll use any tool, tool at, at, um, at my disposal, regardless of how insincere I am. So, Johnny Sexton, have the IRFU done anything to benefit you then? Because you're saying you won't support, you won't support uh, the RFU no. because they've not benefited. So why did you support the, because R- that's the not, IRFU? Because as a fan, I'm, I quite want, I quite want to see Johnny Sexton play. I know what my first principles are, which is where possible. I want to see players on the field, not off the field. I think I would you look want at Owen Farrell. Uh, uh, no, I would quite like to see Owen Farrell play, but in this case, you've got a tool, you've got to use it. And you know, for me, it's uh, to attack world rugby and the RFU <laughs> relentlessly. I, I, you know, I don't really apologise for that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm. I am fascinated to see um, exactly how world rugby try and square this circle. What, just, what just, happens? Oh, sorry, go on, Phil. No, no, you go, Tim. Go on, Tim. No, I was just going to say, on the actual... We talked about the reaction online. We talked about that a little bit. Um, did you see Andy Farrell today? No. I saw it. Did he just criticise the circus? Something along those lines. Yeah, he was asked about it, and he was... It, I mean, that is a guy, he, he looked... It was one of those moments with Andy Farrell, and you get this, where you you think, my God, you're hard. <laughs> but he's he, he was very very calm and measured, but you could kind of see in his eyes the, the 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 passion that was burning, and he was asked about his thoughts on it, and he he said, "Look, I I, I can't really and anything I say is flawed because you know you're asking a father about a son." Yeah, that was a great answer, and and that's going to be flawed. He said, mm-hmm. "I don't normally say anything, but what I will say." is the, what, what did he say? He said, the circus that has followed Owen this week has been an absolute disgrace. He said, disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. And then he said, and the people who have enjoyed, what did he say, enjoyed the sunlight are going to get to uh, going to get to bask in it for a few more days. Now, that would be, I guess, the, um, the grifters like Progressive Rugby who have been everywhere. Uh, just you know, they even highlighted Tane Basham's head injury. Like they even go as far as to sort of hijack players' injury statuses 
to push a to, to push a narrative. So I, you know, I agree with that. I don't think anyone's been after Owen Farrell so much. No, there's yeah, been a have, tremendous mate. amount of yeah, they oh, are actually yeah. It's th- been very personal. Well, what like by nobody's on Twitter or by journalists because I think every journalist so far has been completely engrossed by the utter ridiculousness of the administration yeah nobody's yeah well as, as we said as we said like you said twitter is, is he's not right. on twitter it, it wouldn't if, if it was just no no if it no, was just journalists no. no no if it was just journalists um criticizing it and there was no reaction on social media i think we probably agree world rugby may have swerved this difficult thing thinking oh it'll blow, blow yeah, but over this is, go but, away. But, no no so, so I'm, I'm i'm hey look i'm, I'm not I, i'm only saying that it's been pretty ugly the, the, the reaction, not I mean, it's understandable. A lot of people have been saying, and I don't want to mischaracterise everybody, a lot of people have just been saying, that's the wrong decision, wasn't expecting that, That's that look, That looks really dodgy. Absolutely I think it fine. is dodgy. I mean, I think uh, it is dodgy. Well, no, no, wait, 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 so I was kind of there, but I just just wanted to highlight that um, the, the personal stuff has been really quite ugly, and for all that people talk about, quote, rugby values, and for all that people talk about hashtag be kind and stuff like that, it's quite often... well. All I'll say so is this: there'll right? be a big, there'll be a big Venn diagram overlap between people using the hashtag "be kind" and the people that were saying quite personal things. Yeah, look, we all know who the, we all know who who the absolute scumbags are, but they're also nobodies. Um, and I'll just point out that, you know, as someone who is engaged with the game as much as I am or was at least, um, you know, <laughs> I have like one Twitter account now, which is the Egg Chasers, which I pop on and pop off. I don't really notice anything. Like, I've not picked up on any of the social media stuff. Um, because it's well, it's not worthless. It's you know created this situation. But I think with in the case of Owen Farrell, I don't think he's reading like no, no, no know, yeah. Billy five six seven. I just don't think he. Uh, so I, I I can see why people. I don't think I don't. Yeah, I don't think Tim is. I don't think Tim is concerned for Owen Farrell. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, I, I, they're just some idiots. Yeah, they are just they are just idiots. Yes. But, but you can't exactly as you, can't exactly say, as you it, say, it is real. You can't say it is real life, and then yeah. sort of go. It doesn't, doesn't think, matter. Exactly no, as you say, those guess, idiots do influence yeah. the. What's yeah, so going to happen? It depends, doesn't it? Like, so the vast way swathe of idiots don't do anything, but like when you get an organised campaign on Twitter, like Progressive Rugby or like anything else, then that is that. Yeah. That's a different uh, thing, I'm, isn't I'm, it? I'm, I'm picking up. You have an issue with Progressive Rugby, JB? Just oh, I hate them. <laughs> I absolutely loathe them. Uh, they they are they are in it to destroy our sport, and <clears> they're in it to destroy our sport and extract money from it. And if you think there's anything else, you are sadly mistaken. It's same with Al- same with Alison Pollock. Same with. Um, uh, Dr. White, same with all of the concussion grifters. This, this, this is what, what, what they're after. They are pathologically against the actual concept of the game. Now, some, some of the takes that I have seen on Twitter, um, and I think these are ones that influence, is a lot of people saying, World Rugby clearly don't care about head injuries, and that's, a, yeah. that's across yeah. the board. Now, that's, that to me just is a, it's a misunderstanding or miscategorization of what's going on. Because World Rugby... Oh, it's not even world rugby. This pro- the outcome of this process. If it were to stop at this disciplinary, disciplinary panel report, it's, they're still saying this is a yellow card and ten minutes. Yeah. In the, like they're not saying that this is a good thing. And Owen Farrell should be free it's to open do. season on headshots. Now. Yeah. just go and hit anyone in the head. That's yeah. that is if if you if that's your takeaway, and it is a lot of people's takeaway. People are actually stating things like that. You just don't understand what has happened here. It's still here. Well, look, the reason that's happening is because it's such an effective tactic. It's such an effective tactic. So that's exactly the sort of thing which I'd be uh, propagating <laughs> right, right now. Which you just take the worst of your enemy and you really, you know, you really like, let, uh, let, lay it on thick. But yeah, that isn't, that isn't the case. I think what I really hate, 
I, I'm kind of, I hate to sort of let world rugby or the union off through it with anything re- really. But the idea that it is open season, or the idea that, and they they play into this as well, don't they? It's their own, they're, they're their own stupid fault because they're so thick that they come up with things like player safety is our number one priority. Well, it can't be. It simply can't be. You should not be in charge of the game if that is your stance, because there will not be a game. By definition, the safest game of rugby, as Phil, you've often said, is the game of rugby that isn't played. Yeah, yeah, the old economist thing. Yeah. Don't, don't injure people in construction. Don't build How thick are these people? They must have an IQ of 12 to say that, because they're feeding all of well, these pressure yeah, groups. The headline. Like, here you go. Literally their headline. Yeah. Attack us with this thing which we're, which we're <laughs> going to give you. It's so, so thick. There's no other, uh, other word for it. It is completely true that you can be 100% for playing the game and also very concerned about head injuries. And everyone is on that spectrum. Some people are more concerned about head injuries. Yeah. Some people are less concerned. But if your number one concern is not looking after the game, first and foremost, you shouldn't be involved. And if your number one concern is player safety, then you shouldn't be involved in administri- administering the game. A, Become a, a pressure physical, group. violent game. Yes, exactly right. Like, And it's so wrong, isn't it, when people say, oh, it's open season on head injuries, or uh, you know, they're not taking it seriously. They take it incredibly seriously. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to make the argument for the unions and for people that administer the game, but some people who administer the game, at least, have played. They do know people that play you know i don't want my friends to have life-changing concussions and the reason i'm not bothered about it is because it doesn't often happen that much frankly uh, particularly in like the grassroots game like, nobody takes it lightly but we know the, the risks when the risk, we go in uh, certainly at amateur levels the risk as we've talked about many times the risk has lowered because the game has never been safer the medical awareness exactly the safer we make it the less um the less tolerated the remaining risk Here's another mischaracterization. Then, just again, look. Just to, I almost feel the need to clarify this at every bloody caveat because people just hear this and then they think I'm not exactly as you've just pointed out. You can't hold two opinions. Owen Farrell, on balance, probably deserved a red card for this. Yes. Yeah. And and therefore will probably get it. Get this rescinding of the red card overturned. We'll probably get a ban. And that is, I'm a, I'm okay with that. I think the way it's been handled is dreadful, but I'm okay with that. Um, the mischaracterization as well that this this is a major problem i mean it's kind of what you've said uh, jb about owen farrell i, I just uh, this he does it all the time does quote it, unquote so let me ask you this tim does it change your opinion if i was to tell you that anthony watson dan robson charlie atkinson have all been knocked out by owen farrell's high tackles does that change your opinion would it change your opinion um, if they if, hadn't? Yes. No. Would it change your opinion if uh... quality sleep is essential? That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Dan Bigger has had a 30% more yellow cards and fractionally more red cards per minute than Owen Farrell in his career? Um, maybe. I, I don't know, really. But, I mean, would, it change your, would it change your opinion if Andre Esterhazen uh, has had three times as many red cards per minute as Owen Farrell in their careers? Yeah, no, not overly. Would you have guessed those fa- those um, numbers? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, You would probably. have guessed that Dan uh, Bigger had more yellow and red cards. And... Definitely yellow cards. I mean, Owen Farrell is not a quote-unquote... Well, is he? he's a very, very angry player. He's not necessarily a dirty player, but he does get these tackles wrong. He yeah, does, he does get, get them wrong. Tackles wrong. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, I've you just named three guys there the who, in the domestic league who have been knocked out by him. Like, actually knocked out. Te- that he, is he rare, technique. isn't it? He, he has a technique issue. He has a technique issue which very, very rarely rears its head. And he's obviously tried and has been unsuccessful in trying to sort it. We've speculated that we think he may have some sort of underlying shoulder injury which subconsciously kind of affects the way he... Uh, braces for tackles and things like that. Yeah, but Charlie Atkinson I, I, wasn't that. He, I don't, he, he approached I, him from I, behind. I don't know. All I'm challenging is the perception that this happens all the time. This is... But those, this is I, those are three players that I can just... It's, it's not. And, and the one, one, one of the ones which you brought up at the weekend, which quite often gets brought up, Andre Esterhazen, the, the actual outcry from that was that it wasn't a penalty. It yeah, it's it ridiculous. Wasn't, it wasn't a, wasn't a red card because it wasn't a red card. Even by today's laws, it wasn't a red card. Owen Farrell tackled the ball. It was probably high, probably a penalty, and South Africa should have had the penalty and won the game. But again, and that's why, it, he that's didn't why tackle it the story. He had his arm red... tucked. And that's the difference. So, yeah, so it, was a penalty, it was a penalty, that... maybe a yellow, yellow card. But, but I, or I'm not trying to go, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm just challenging the perception. No, but the, I mean, and I'd say that the perception is based on the fact that there's three England teammates that he's actually knocked out cold, plus okay. Esterhazen, plus Basham, and there are other instances. But Esterhazen wasn't knocked out cold. No, that's why I said plus, plus Esterhazen, plus, plus plus Basham. No, so Esterhazen was was not a red. No, no, no. So you had the three knockouts. Yeah, and then you've had, yeah. on the international stage you've had the two prominent incidents of Basham. And also Esterhazen, both of which a, I think a, are a red li- cards. A, li- a likely I'd, red. A likely I'd, I'd, red. Say, I'd say the Esterhazen still today isn't a red card. Oh, it is. Yeah, I it's, agree. Cause today's cause I, no, it's not, mate. He I tackled I, the ball. I think he hits the ball. I've watched it again he hits recently. The ball. He hits the ball, and that, on that one, there's far more of an attempt to wrap. The, the reason he doesn't wrap yep. is because it, because of the impact on the watch the impact on the ball. But I watched Esther that. Hazen flies and, and Owen Farrell flies backwards because Owen Farrell is actually wrapping his arm. So on that well, one, I, I don't even see think, that again. But I watched it on Monday. The, the controversy like, yeah, there was because be, South Africa be didn't card. win the game. Yeah, the controversy there was because South Africa didn't win the game, not because Owen Farrell should have got a red card. Yeah, but, but it also does still highlight the fact that he does have a tackle problem. And he does. Well, I, I just, yeah, that I'm one might be a legal tackle, Esther Hazen. That's not That may well have been a legal tackle. Anyway, well, it, it was, it was, Angus, it was marginal. Angus Gardner, a few weeks after that, we were interviewing hey, him in Monaco yeah. because he'd won Referee of the Year. Well, look, I'm strictly of the opinion, right? If the referee says it's a legal tackle, it's a legal tackle. So if, if that's the standard you want to play, I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> I am 100% down with that. So Okay, well, I, I, all I was doing was just challenging the perception. It was Tom Chapman that sent in those those uh, stats about it and some people some people would respond and go yeah but the only reason Owen Farrell's stats are like that is because he he always makes these tackles but just but because he's Owen Farrell doesn't get the cards I, I, I don't know I just can't think of anyone else who's got out so many England teammates <clears throat> there's got to be some advantage to um, being England captain like Richie McCaw never got pinged for hand, hands in yep that is, hey, you make a good point that is true that is true 
Low-level corruption, now, as you always say, JB. There is one the other kind. point. There is one other point, and we kind of touched on it, but there's, there have been things that have happened this week, and this is the real shame of the Owen Farrell thing. So Scotland have announced their squad. I've, I've got a, just a point to make on the Scotland's announcing their squad. And Khaleesi, who is, by some measure, one of the most iconic rugby players of this generation of players, some might argue, um, is returning to play. Now, these should be massive rugby stories. This and is what... Mac out injured. So, sorry? And to Mac's... And, yeah. And to Mac injured. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it does make me feel a little bit like this is the... I mean, maybe this is unfair, but I am aware of the World Cup coming up. I know you two are. How many people are actually aware of the World Cup coming up who are, who'd watch it, but the news just isn't filtering through? So this Owen Farrell thing has just absolutely dominated everything. Partly it's because it's Owen Farrell, partly because of the controversy around the character, but mostly because of the administration. Uh, one complaint... Sorry, I agree with all that. One complaint... I'm going to do a bit of an Eddie Jones now. Um, complaint about how BBC announced the Scotland World Cup squad. Oh what, do you, what, do you think it, what do you think the headline would be? Uh, Scotland's best chance of World Cup glory... Fantastic depth in every position in the Scotland squad. <laughs> Thin Scotland squad. Cut, how many? Is it how many foreign foreign born players are in the squad? No, not Ooh. even that. Instead of celebrating the talent, the the their amazing two games against France, the tries that could be scored from Darcy Graham and Cal Threadbare, threadbare, miserable Northerners pick a few South Africans. Is it, is it about the, 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 the let's say, because they had a few scrum halves and a few hookers, is it about a couple of the players that missed out? The headline was, and it was a picture of someone who's not even in the squad, the headline Chris was McNally misses out on Scotland World Cup McNally? squad. McNally! So, so instead of celebrating all of the talent and all the brilliant stuff, it was... That's if you see the point that's a JB here, picture of um, Stuart McAnally uh, and him missing out on Scotland World Cup squad, which is just such a negative. Like this is Eddie's point. Yeah, such a negative frame. I mean, the to Scotland look at squad is so exciting. The Scotland squad is absolute yeah, dynamite. It's absolutely dynamite. dynamite. Can I just go compound what you're saying? Just back up what you're saying, Phil. So I was listening to the BBC. I'm not going to mention the the journalists because they're they're a peer and it just feels i'm just not gonna i'm just not gonna go in not gonna name them you can work it out but there was someone who was talking uh on bbc radio five live uh their rugby program about the actually what does it matter actually because it doesn't matter because it's fine uh, they're they're brilliant at what they do sonia mclaughlin said um uh, was talking about the france scotland game and and describing a finn russell pass which was beautifully executed and led to an amazing try said think basically the thing about Finn Russell is you know if if that pass had been a yard further <laughs> a fraction of a second slower it would have been an interception and France would have scored yes, yes but it was perfectly executed yes. <laughs> this it? is on par isn't it with Owen Farrell's kicking these kicks would have been deadly if Lee Halfpenny hadn't read them all. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, they would have been... I mean, they'd be great, wouldn't they? They'd be great. And the whole point of Finn Russell... I mean, the whole whole point of Carlos Spencer is that he would put, do things which nearly didn't work. If they nearly... If they, if they 100% work, you've probably not taken enough risk. <sighs> Incredible. But yeah, that Scotland squad is dynamite. I love it. I'm really excited for that first game against South Africa. I think... I, I am so much more positive. I said this um, on Sunday... I was convinced that Scotland had no chance. Now, 
I think Scotland, are, I think they are going to be one of South Africa or Ireland, and then it'll come down to the oh. kind of round robin and points difference. Imagine they oh, take Ireland. They could take well, in um, one, two of two of um, Scotland, Ireland, South Africa, France, New Zealand. Sorry, only two of those. Three of those are not making it past the the quarter final. Only two of those can possibly two of those five teams, and they're probably they're probably the best five teams in the world right now. They and, are well rankings. They are one to five. Oh, okay. yeah, there you go then. Um, and oh, I some, sometimes, occasionally, well. rankings don't quite catch up with reality because of the lag and all the rest of it. But they are. They're, 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 therefore, they are ranked the best five. And they are the best five teams, and three of them can't get out of the uh, quarterfinals. I love France, I love South Africa. I want those two to uh, progress. I want uh, Ireland and New Zealand. Why? Because I like them. But I'd also... I want France France and New Zealand, because if England can't win a World Cup, I want a new winner of the World Cup. France and Scotland, then? Or France Uh, and France and Scotland or France and Ireland? Yeah. Yeah, your yeah, choice for so love, mundane. I would love to it's see like pr- the processed sugar choice. Uh, uh, two good teams playing the right way, but I'd actually play the right uh, way. Actually, you know I'd love to see really, really Ireland want, and Scotland. I would love Scotland for four Northern Hemisphere teams. <laughs> that would be quite good fun in the semi-finals. That there is no chance of that happening. No, there's zero, no chance. Zero, unless it's unless it's Japan, Georgia, Italy, and Scotland. Ireland, France, England, Wales could happen. Yeah. Well, France and Ireland could do it. France and Ireland could. And uh, so you need England Eng- and Wales. England and Wales. England and Wales, it's actually, they've got the easier route to do it, to get yeah. to the semis. So maybe. I mean, that w- would be amazing to see. Amazing. Oh, that's, that's what I was going to say, talking about press conferences. Did you catch what Kevin, so Kevin said about Owen Farrell? No, I didn't. Should have read the, the notes coming out of the press conference. I thought, I mean... Everyone loves uh, Kevin Sinfield, can do no wrong for obvious reasons. Obviously, you know, they don't need to go into that. Um, but his press conference was bizarre. So somebody asked him something along the lines, and you need to pull up the quotes because they are bizarre, about does Owen Farrell have a disciplinary issue? And his answer was, well, that would be for you, for you guys to decide. You're the ones that write the story. Like, that is a ludicrous thing to say from a defence coach. And he's, not the head, he's not the head coach, though, is he? He's a defence coach. Yeah, I know, but it's not. It, it, not the, yeah, but be honest. Either say I'm not, not answering that, but don't. Yeah, yeah. Don't it, come maybe, that. maybe, maybe you should have said. Well, he kind of did say that's that's. I'm not going to answer that by going. That's for you. You, you make up your mind. But yeah. No, no. But the implication the was this isn't Owen's fault. You're the fault by saying these things. If you didn't say it, then no, it wouldn't be true. You know what true. he was doing. You you know he was just dodging the question. Wasn't giving them a quote. Well, that's read what, the other quotes because they they came out to bat for Owen Farrell. Um, quite vigorously and I kind of appreciate that but I think there's a way there is a way to do it and it's not by saying you're the problem the way is by saying yeah he plays on the edge and we completely back him and you know, that it's just the price you pay but it's not your fault well if if he had said that then he did say that then, then, well no but if he had if he had said to the, in response to the question about his discipline issue uh, he plays on the edge and we totally back him then the, the story would have been England management don't care about head injuries, about this, all and then stuff. and then they'd issue a statement saying our number one concern is player welfare, and then so yeah. you, just so, just so not so the Welsh teams. Uh, yes, exactly. And, and going back to Eddie Jones at the start, this is why uh, you know whether you agree or disagree with what what he says at, at times, the, he's a breath of fresh air because he doesn't 
he just says he just kind of says it yeah i always felt the breath of fresh air with eddie jones was when he was cowering in front of three scotland fans at at, uh, manchester (laughs) station but um you know he he wasn't quite so mouthy then was he he's very mouthy around journalists but he wasn't mouthy at all around the scotland fans it's not often that journalists carry knives (laughs) (laughs) they were were scotland football fans no they weren't they were coming up they were rugby fans coming up from (laughs) twickenham weren't they I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, wasn't quite so wasn't quite so bolshy for some reason. There you go. Actually, so we... talking of Scotland, Scottish people on trains. Do you remember the epic travails of Ryan Wilson when he had to get home? I'm trying to think of where it is from. Ryan Wilson had to get home from somewhere, and I it was either Scot, it was either London. Or somewhere else, and it was like a legitimate thing, like after a game or something. It took him three days to get back. What? Yeah, I can't remember what it was though. Anyway, doesn't really you sure you're not talking about him when he was out? In, 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 there was some. I seem to remember. Oh no, no, that was. Uh, I think North, Northampton Lock getting back from Claremont. I can't remember his name. Ooh, recently. Big, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great story. The the one of the Northampton locks, can't remember his name, the the big one, the biggest of the Northampton locks, not ribbons, obviously he's at Toulon. Moon? But anyway, might be Moon. Um, the he's guy went to London Irish. Yeah, 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 Moon. Anyway, Moon. He uh, he was on, on the piss after a game in Claremont. And, oh, really? And ended up at Patheli Yato's house and they missed <laughs> him and a couple of other New Zealanders. I think it might have been Ratuni Yarawa. Yeah. A couple of others. Anyway, they missed the the flight home and it was just an unbelievable just the story it, I, I won't do it justice but the story of the days it took them to get back so didn't and moon win the they've got a trophy at northampton and it's what is that trophy when they've got to run up and down a hill oh it was the the mobs no the mobs is a match thing. isn't it oh yeah you're right no they do it as a pre-season thing i can't yeah remember. there's it's, a, a carry of some, after some military person they have to do a long run and then they carry a sandbag yeah. well moon won it won't blackiston that's it. That's the one. Do you know who won it this year? I do. Do you know, Tim? I've, I saw the video and I can't remember. Young Flyhoff. Oh, Finn, Finn Smith. Finn Smith won it. Mm. Yeah, nice no, no, the guy, the guy that played, there was a lock blindside who played for England won it last year. Lock? That's not, that's not Moon. That's, that's, uh... Tamorna Harrison? No, no, no. He, he was a lock, played for... Not Coles. Coles, Alex Coles won it last How year. have they got so many locks and like so so little impact on the field? Ribbons, Coles, Moon, Laws. Where, where are these guys? Uh, I'm just trying to find who's, who's won it. Um, Dan Biggers won it previously. Ruben Bird, Tullock, Piers Francis, and two-time victor Alex Coles. Wow, it seems to um, somehow benefit the playmakers. Uh yeah, because it's, it's, there's a big run in it, isn't there? Uh, so if you're 120 kg, it's often not... Um, so you do buh, 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 complete two 2.5-kilometre runs, either side of a further 2-kilometre mile of 30 kg and 50 kg sandbag carries. They need to... Well, to, to get it better for the bigger fellas, they need to include one much bigger sandbag Yes, so for a short distance, one that maybe da- even Dan Bigger might not might not potentially be able to lift. I did a 12, 12 kilogram carry for a mile, and that was hard enough. Twelve kilogram. Okay, yeah, big big bloody ball. Anyway, anyway, enough of that. So I think we've done a Owen Farrell. So um, 
successful round. What do we think is going to happen next? I, <clears throat> I'm not sure. It depends how much freedom they have to challenge because how to challenge the fact that they don't address that right arm. Um, I'm sure this will be a kangaroo court, and they'll just say, "Yeah, guilty," and there'll be no. They'll know. I'm sure there's no mechanism to appeal the appeal. Unless they go to no. like, the course of sports arbitration or something. Yeah, there probably won't be. World rugby would be the ultimate, unless you go outside the game. Yeah. Um, but but they'll know what the kickoff's going to be. I'd imagine social media again, if it's appeal heard, the original decision stands. I, I can it see. will go bananas again. I, I can see that. I can see that happening. But then. If they do that, they've got to. The, the only way you're going to appease it is you've got to release the additional angles that show the, the dropping height and somehow explain why that right arm tuck does not make him always illegal. So on yeah. the basis of that, I think the, the right arm tuck makes him always illegal. Therefore, I suspect the World Rugby um, appeal will be upheld. And will they... Uh... Whereas before, if they'd come out with a three-game ban, let's say, that meant he just missed the Argentina game, then I think everyone would have gone, all right, okay, next story. Let's talk about the Scotland squad. Let's talk about the the Ireland team against England. But I I don't think they're going to be able to do anything like that. I think they're going to have to go minimum six games, and which will be more than George Mawala's ban, obviously because he's got halved. Uh, that's where I probably think they're going to get to. I'd like to think they might, they they go, might go. Yeah, we're not going to go 12 and half it to six, are, are they? No, no, no. So it'll be, I think the midpoint was six. So I'm hopeful they might go three, including Ireland, which obviously the appeal is going to happen. Yeah. The, it's the, so hard for world rugby because all they do is harp on about changing behaviours and perception, this Orwellian language, thinking that if they just are harsh enough, things will change. I think it's just abandon the whole thing and let people play actual rugby to a, a decent height. Uh, the, the other thing I would say, and you can't do this now, but I would be up for this in the future. And some people will complain, but I think this is one of those times where you just say the don't, don't care what you complain as much as you want. It's not going to change, and people will stop bleating about it. But if you said next World Cup, no disciplinary, no previous disciplinary issues are going to be carried. I'm into a World so Cup. glad you said that because I wanted to mention this. I forgot. I think World Cups should be beyond the purview of... I mean, there should be some bans which are permanent. So, if you have a ban for gouging, I don't see you coming back. Mm-hmm. Swearing a ref? Uh, no, I think you come back for that. Um, Hit, okay, hitting, well, a ref, hitting a ref. Hitting a ref, though. No, no, no. Yeah. no. Yeah. A physical intimidation of a ref? Absolutely not. Um, I don't mind the odds. Gambling? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah absolutely anyway, gambling. Yeah, yeah, things that would get you banned point, from the point sport. Being, we'd, think of, we'd think of a list uh, yeah. and it'd be outside of a certain ethic or moral or, or framework. Yeah, so if you're banned out, from Outside the, of that, fair play. Anything which will ban you from the sport rather than ban you for games will count towards a World Cup. If it's just banning for games, like, you know, high shot or something, then you can play in the World Cup. It's just, you know, we talk about player welfare in such one-sided terms... Because what about the welfare of the player who's retired but doesn't have you know the World Cup experience because of your disciplinary process? I just don't think it's right. It's such a fleeting career. And just to take opportunities away from lads because you want to be seen to change, to change perception, to appease a handful of fringe lunatics, um, it just doesn't wash with me. I, I think that the World Cup, like you say, Tim, it should almost be like 
yeah, everything's clear and you play. But if you get caught in a World Cup do, doing something, then you should be banned for the rest of the World Cup. Within, within the World Cup, yeah. Yeah, it's a standalone thing. Well, the, yeah, the normal framework supply yeah. within the World Cup. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so. Or you could even do it like, uh, well, yeah, no, actually, yeah, that's fine. Let's not go any deeper than that. But yeah, that would just be, uh, you can't do that now, but that would be the case for George Mawala, who, um, or, or Owen Farrell, or Johnny Sexton, or whoever else. Well, football, don't they have a card amnesty for the semifinals? Yeah. Uh, for, for the knockout, yeah, there's often oh, right. within within tournaments like um, in Champions League. I think there's, a, there's a round where thing, cards get cleared. I think that's a great not idea. for which round, but yeah, you're right, they do. So it's not like it's not been done before. Mm. Mm. There we go. Well we we have done on a Thursday night. We've done one hour and ten minutes of Owen Farrell, more than we should have done, and two yeah. minutes two minutes of Eddie Jones as well. Yeah, bloody hell. Farrell and Jones still dominating the airwaves. And the Blackiston <laughs> Challenge. Yes, the Blackiston Challenge. Yes, thank God we covered that. Because sometimes things like that slip through the net and we can't have that happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That happen. So, frankly, for my liking, not enough Sam Burgess and Stuart Lancaster. But yeah, we, yeah. we will undoubtedly correct that on Sunday. Yeah, correct. What was that noise? Do you hear that? Uh, it might have just been me okay, tapping, tapping the, uh, the arm of the sofa. Right, so in that case, we are done. If you want to disagree with us vigorously, don't bother on social media because we won't answer you. But you can get hold of us on Gmail, which people have done in record numbers. The, our inbox is absolutely rammed. So we'll if you want to Sunday. continue ramming our inbox, please do. <laughs> Contact eggchasers at gmail.com. Uh, we do read everything, uh, and we keep meaning to mention as many things as we... In fact, that's, if you've got time on Sunday, Tim, that is your job. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. And we've got Definitely. mission statements from the RFU, which we need to read. And yeah. we've got some phenomenal emails. Like, the amount of effort that goes in some of these emails, are, they're, they're absolutely incredible. So You're right. keep them coming. It's not lost on us. No. Uh, right, so from me, Tim and Phil, let the boys play. Well, within, re- within the laws of the game. The yes. Laws of the game. And, and as long as you've got your legal representative exactly. alongside let, you. Let the legal representatives play. Yes. Yeah. Let, let the KCs play. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 